If you are pregnant or you've recently had a baby, this podcast is for you. I am your host, Kath Bequee, a physiotherapist working in women's health and mum of three. Inside my online program, Fitness Mama, I just love helping support women to care for their bodies during pregnancy, prepare their bodies for birth and support their after birth recovery, helping them feel confident and strong inside out during this important stage of their lives. In this podcast, join me each week as we dive into all things pregnancy care, childbirth and postnatal recovery, helping you through every step of the journey. It is absolutely possible to feel amazing and confident in our bodies during this motherhood journey, and I want that for you. Come and say hi to me on Instagram, at fitnessmama, and let's dive into today's episode. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Pregnancy, Birth and Recovery podcast. Today, I chat to Rox Solway, who is a stay-at-home mum of two toddlers. She's got a four-year-old daughter and a one-year-old son, and today's episode is all about conscious and connected parenting. Now, Rox isn't an expert in this field, but I asked Rox to come on to the podcast because everything she shares on her Instagram page I'm really resonating with at the moment, I think, because I've got three young children. Gradually, I feel the household is becoming a little bit more chaotic, a little bit more yelling (laughs) with the kids and um, the kids. Yeah, like I just think I'm really becoming drawn to this conscious parenting and learning how to stop, slow down and become more connected with my children. So perhaps it was a little bit selfish asking Rox to come onto this episode, but I'm so glad I chatted with her today because you're going to love it. Like if you, even if you've got a baby or you've got older children like I do, or you're pregnant and you don't even have a baby yet, like I really do think you're going to take away something from this episode. We discuss like what being a conscious parent means to her. Like we discuss we discuss the goal of conscious parenting and the benefits. We discuss some practical examples of how conscious parenting has helped Rox and her family. I asked her about how she got her partner on board. Uh, she's given so many words, like just nuggets of gold that I, I trust you're going to love. I know I did. <laughs> so, yeah, stick around. Look, before I do dive into this episode with Rox, I do just invite you all to share this podcast episode with a friend. If you have found that this podcast has helped you along the way during a pregnancy or motherhood journey, then my only ask is that you share it with a friend or a family member or someone who you think would benefit from listening to a few of the episodes. It really is probably the most important way to help this podcast reach more people. And at the end of the day, it's all about helping pregnant women and postnatal women have a wonderful motherhood experience. So thank you so much for sharing if you can. Right, let's dive into this episode with Rox. Rox, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's so great to chat. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm um, excited to be here. (laughs) It is because I feel this topic that we're discussing, like I've only recently sort of come across it and maybe it's because I've now got three children that are growing up, but I'm just being more and more drawn to this whole concept. So I'm excited to chat today. Um, let's start off. I want to know what, what led you to considering conscious parenting? Um, this, yeah, this is a hard question because it's a lot of different layers that have all kind of merged together, I guess, over time. So, uh, my oldest is, she's four and a half now. So yeah, it's been like an ongoing journey to get to where I am now as motherhood is, it's a journey. And I definitely like the first initial part of the journey was definitely a bit 
you know, a bit hard to to start off. Like I, I had my first birth was a traumatic birth and that led me to being diagnosed with uh, birth trauma and complex post-traumatic stress disorder um, from layers of childhood trauma that I really, like I knew was there, but it's something that you don't, you know, you kind of tend to suppress. And as motherhood does, I feel like it unravels us and um, makes us acknowledge things that, um, you know, from our own past childhood. And yeah, I guess like that was the start of it. And then I, I actually knew nothing about complex PTSD and really, I really didn't know about trauma. I didn't understand triggers. I didn't really even understand trauma. All I knew was like the basics of, you know, people that come home from war would get post-traumatic stress disorder. So yeah, I I think I started to really want to understand myself and I wanted to be more present with my daughter and my baby. And yeah, I guess that led me to learning a lot about, I, I was doing my own research. I was reading lots of books, listening to lots of podcasts, just learning as much as I could. And the more I kind of learned, um, the more I kept seeing, you know, it's every trauma like we all, I guess, face. It, it comes back to how we were raised as children and the initial like needing that connection and how important that connection is in early childhood. Um, and I guess that just – I kept coming back to that and then I started wanting to, you know, give my children the best connection early in life. And so for me, I kind of kept coming back to the word connection and I was like, well, that's it. And then I started realizing there's a whole way of, it's a whole way of parenting is connected parenting, but that's, yeah, that is hard to do when you're yeah going through just learning to become a mother and um, just trying to survive each day. Yeah. Being, you know, sleep deprived. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And you've just brought up so much, which um, I'd love to dissect a little bit more. But firstly, sorry to hear you did have such a rough start to motherhood. That's okay. I to be to be honest, I'm actually whenever I look back, I'm really really glad that all happened, and it happened very early on because I 100% don't think I'd be the parent I am today if I didn't learn about. I guess like trauma and it it wouldn't have led me to the path that I'm on now and I'm really really glad that I'm now a conscious and connected parent and um, I hope to inspire other people because yeah I think you know our our children deserve a lot of respect and um, we can learn a lot from our children I've learned so much from my children yeah now just so that the listeners can understand and again feel free to only like share what you want to share or feel free. We can skip over this question. But you mentioned there was a trauma. Just so that listeners can understand, like what did the trauma, like what was it for you? Like what? how did you feel? What was traumatic? Like what were you going through at the time? Are you talking more about like the my birth experience or more from my childhood? Oh, well, it sounds like there's two things. That's two questions, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you choose rocks. Yeah, so I guess, like, just to kind of touch on trauma, um, I think when I, I'll, I'll go into the birth because that's how I initially, like, under, like came to understanding trauma. I was in a place I was very happy to have my daughter. It was everything I wanted, everything I dreamed of. I was, like, in awe of her and so happy to be where I was, but – I just kept having fl- like constant flashbacks of my birth. I couldn't sleep. I had insomnia and some nights I was sleeping one hour a night. And during that one hour, I was just having nightmares of her birth. And I, I just couldn't understand. I couldn't be present during the day because I was so tired. And all I wanted to do was enjoy her. I just wanted to be as present as possible. And I I kept not understanding like why why am I living in this flashback like highly triggered like I I was noticing things that were triggering me that had never triggered me before like I became really sensitive to light um you know particular lights at night if the house was too bright um I needed to turn it all all the lights off like because I think it was reminding me of being in that birth space and being in the hospital things like sound if 
there was too much sound going on. I was feeling highly like dysregulated and highly triggered and I just needed to like be in peace and quiet. So they were like a couple of things that I was like, I don't feel the same. Something's not right. And I kept going to my GP and I kept saying something's not right. And she kept saying, Oh, you, you've got postnatal depression, but I've experienced, I've, I've lived my life with depression. I was diagnosed with depression from a really young age and I know myself and I kept saying, no, it's something else. It's not depression. I'm not depressed. I'm really, I'm the happiest I've ever been, but I'm experiencing flashbacks and I can't be present. Um, and that's when I, I think I'd gone to her about four times and we kind of had the same conversation And there was one Sunday I was in a supermarket. My daughter was three months old and I just crumbled. I I just started crying in the supermarket and I was like, I can't keep feeling like this. Like I can't be present. And I went to a doctor on a Sunday. It was a male GP. I've never met him before. And he said, I think that you're experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder. And he diagnosed, uh, he, no, he didn't diagnose me. He just gave me um, a referral to see a psychiatrist. Um, and that's when, you know, it was just one hour appointment with my psychiatrist and she went over my childhood and that's when it came up as, you know, this is all related to complex post PTSD. And yeah. And then I think like, that's when I started being like, okay, what is this? And yeah, went into therapy and yeah, learned, I've learned a lot and yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful that I have really. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What an incredible experience. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I think, and with birth trauma, it's like, I, I don't think not, like not many people are aware of it. I wasn't aware of it. I, I genuinely had no idea what I was experiencing. I just, I knew deep down it wasn't depression because I wasn't depressed. I, I kept saying I'm the happiest I've ever been. I've just got these conditions that I'm going through and yeah and I just wanted to get on top of that so that I could enjoy my time with my baby because yeah I was happy and I was happy I was just dealing with these triggers and um yeah it was it was making life really difficult being really sleep deprived and being triggered all the time yeah (laughs) and credit to you for you like it sounds like you were so self-aware and you were, and because you were so self-aware of how you were feeling and like you then were proactive in seeking help, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I think I've always been that way. I think since I was like a very young child, I've always been very in touch with how I feel. And if I'm not, I guess... <laughs> getting like the support I need, I, I, I need to find support somewhere. And if I'm not getting it from, you know, the right person, I'll keep looking until I'm getting, getting the support I need. Um, mm. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that they related it back to your childhood too. Like, was there anything particular in childhood that, you know, for this to happen, I don't know how old you are now, but, you know, decades later, yeah, I guess yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I'm in my 30s now. I'm 34 and like I I don't want to go like too much into my childhood, but yeah, it's a it's a lot of like there's some big things and there's some the little things. So in like in psychology in psychology they do talk about there's two types of trauma. So there's the big T trauma which is, you know, big things whether it's like a loss of a family member or flooding or fire, you know, some sort of devastation or like, you know, a war, something like that. But then there's like also little T traumas, which are little things like not having an emotionally available parent or emotionally intelligent parent, someone who's not meeting your needs in those ways, or, you know, it could be having a narcissistic parent or someone who let's say, has addictions, whether it's like gambling, alcoholism, drug addict, like they're, you know, they can be like the little T things, but that has a long-term profound effect as well. And for me, like I've experienced big T and little T. And so it kind of, yeah, it's, yeah, there's just a lot of different layers and I'm completely, I'm unpacking it all the time. Like in, in my everyday life with my children, um, I have to be conscious of the way, 
what they are doing in the moment and what that is showing up in my from my childhood. So can I give you an example? <laughs> yeah, so like let's say if, you know, I don't know, if my child is expressing an emotion or I have like I have a very highly sensitive um, strong-willed daughter and that was me as a child I was highly sensitive and strong-willed and if she's acting in a way that I wasn't allowed to act in that can bring up some really big feelings for me and I can start getting a bit dysregulated and start to think oh my gosh like why is she acting this way this is not acceptable why is she tantruming over a cookie that I've said no to about 10 times why is she not listening to me and then for me I can start to feel a little bit dysregulated because I and then I get conscious about, you know, why why am I feeling dysregulated right now? And for me, it comes back to there's no way I would have been allowed to act that way or have those emotions over something so little. And I have to really stop and, you know, say to myself, this is not about my child right now. This is about my inner child and how I am feeling that I wasn't allowed to feel. And I have to kind of give grace to myself and I guess, you know, be I don't know the right word but be just yeah I don't I don't know like it's kind of like reparenting yourself and saying to yourself it's okay maybe I was you know I needed to have someone more sensitive and supportive in in those times when I was a child and I don't need to be like that to my daughter yeah Yeah. I guess it, it kind of like makes me see from my child's perspective like yeah, I think going through my own, <laughs> having my own hard times as a child, like I always try to see things from my daughter daughter's point of view and, um, yeah, yeah, I guess. And that's really hard when, like I'm just thinking from my own personal experience, when let's say, you know, going for that example, your daughter's about like having a tantrum yeah. because of something you've said no to, like to be able to then pause, reflect on your own childhood regulate your own feelings before even then tackling their feelings. Like that's a lot. That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. It it definitely is. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think it's really hard. And I think a lot of people kind of look at anyone that's sort of like, I don't know whether it's gentle parenting, respectful parenting, whatever, conscious parenting, connected parenting, whatever label you want to call it. Um, I think a lot of people think it's it's people that have easy children and um, it comes naturally to them. But I see it as the opposite and I see it as I follow a lot of like communities kind of through social media that I, it's like the same strong message. It's like it's really hard work to parent this way and we're unlearning generations of, you know, it's a, it's a generation condition like, children have to act and behave a certain way that is kind of unrealistic because they don't have the brain development. And sorry, I'm going off track a little bit, but yeah, I think it just comes back to, it's about working on ourselves to be emotionally regulated so that we can be, you know, emotionally stable and mature parents for our children. Like, cause we are the leaders in our, in our household and in our family and we're showing them the way, I guess. <laughs> And I'd love to dive into this more in terms of like, just from your experience, like as you said, you're not um, an expert in this area, but you've lived and breathed this for the last few years. So that's why it's like so great to talk. And I'd love to go through some practical examples of how this has helped, like what you've done and how it's helped in your family. But first, I want to know, like I'm really keen to know, was this, something like so you've had your birth three months later you see your GP and you start to you know get treatment and you realize you know you're starting to unearth all this stuff that's happened in the past at what stage did you like was there a moment when you decided okay I'm gonna learn more about conscious parenting like was there a pivotal moment or was it more of a gradual yeah there was definitely a few very very strong moments probably my first one was like my as I was saying before my daughter is very highly emotional and she's very strong-willed and I'm glad she was my first child because she led me to this so 
the way she went from there was like one minute she's a baby and she has these very basic needs. It's like changing a nappy, you know, attending to her cries, feeding her. It's like the most basic sort of thing. But then all of a sudden, just overnight, she went from being this baby to next minute she's a toddler and having these tantrums that I just felt lost, like completely lost. And I just remember being really reactive straight away. Like, I, cause I, cause I was like, what is happening right now? What are these, you know, I viewed them as behaviors instead of she's having an emotional, she's emotionally dysregulated and needs support. And at the time I was like being reactive and um, probably yelling and, I just remember always feeling like this is not how I wanted to parent. I knew from a really young age I didn't want to parent the same way I was parented. I I knew always that I wanted to be a safe place for my children and I wanted them to always feel loved and nurtured and cared for and safe. And I just remember being like, I don't know where to go from here and I need help and I need support. And I think I learned like no one told you how to manage a toddler's emotions and tantrums and behaviors. Like it's something that you kind of have to like go out and do the research and find what really works for your family. And there was like, that was my first initial, like I need help and where do I start looking? And I started listening to a few podcasts on, I think it was more like gentle parenting and reading books. And I just remember I constantly thought like, that's too hard. Like they, you know, they were always like, it's about looking after yourself and it's about, you know, breathing through their tantrums. And, and I was like, but that's impossible because like, it's, it goes for so long. And, you know, sometimes my daughter was tantruming for like an hour straight and I was like, I'm not coping. I, I need more help. And it's not, you know, it's not easy just to breathe through that. Um, and then I think eventually like the more I was learning, there was this, like real light bulb moment for me where I think I realized I was focusing so much on what she was doing and her behavior and her emotions that I was like, it isn't about her. It's about me. And that was like probably a really big light bulb moment for me to go. I need to shift the focus off her and I need to shift it on me. And I started doing more work just on myself. For me, they kind of like go hand in hand, like learning about, you know, child development, but also learning about my own like childhood traumas and, and emotions and things like that. And, but once I, I like kind of worked more on myself, I was able to then be the parent I wanted to be. So for me, it was learning to do things like simple things like breath work and meditation and finding how to calm myself, how to calm myself when, just on a normal daily basis so that then I could find my calm in those moments where I would naturally become dysregulated. Does that make sense? Today's episode is brought to you by Baby Jogger, making parents' lives easier. For active families, Baby Jogger will be your go-to. Their strollers are designed with your comfort and convenience in mind, allowing you to embrace the joys of parenthood while staying active. With Baby Jogger's well-known quick fold technology, you can effortlessly fold your stroller with just one hand, making it a breeze to store and transport. We know that every family has different needs and Baby Jogger has you covered. They offer a wide range of lightweight, compact options from single to double strollers to all-terrain models. No matter your lifestyle, you'll find the perfect fit. Whether you're navigating through busy streets or tackling rough terrains, their strollers provide a smooth and enjoyable ride for both you and your little ones. And let's not forget about growing families. Whether you're expecting another child or planning for the future, Baby Jogger is there every step of the way. To learn more about their incredible strollers and find the perfect fit for your family, visit their website today on babyjogger.com.au and use the code FIT20, that's F-I-T-20, for 20% off any full-priced product from Baby Jogger. There was also another moment when my, uh, like after my son was born, I was 
not in a great space. Like I was very, very sleep deprived looking after my toddler and my baby. And we, I lack support here. Like we live on the Gold Coast in Queensland and majority of our family is back in Victoria. Me and my partner are both from Victoria. So we just had no support. He was having his own struggles. Um, he actually struggled with birth trauma after my second son's birth. So he kind of went through everything I went through the second time. So I was kind of supporting him and looking after our baby and our toddler. And, um, yeah, I was just, I was really struggling at that time. And I remember there was this really bizarre, like a random phone call. My auntie accidentally called me at the time and she was meant to call someone else. And I sort of said to her, I was having a really hard time. And, we were just saying, you know, having a baby and having a toddler is a lot. And she said something to me that like really made me stop and think. She said, you know, I had three babies under three years old and I decided, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy it because why not? Why the hell not? Why not enjoy it? And at that time it was like this, again, like a very profound moment that I was like, oh, well, I'm having such a hard time and I just want to enjoy motherhood. Like I always wanted to be a mother I wanted to be where I am right now for a really long time and I just want to enjoy it. And at that time I, I was like, you know, something needs to change and I need to really look at looking after myself again. Cause I wasn't, that was the whole thing. Like I, I was so busy looking after everyone else that it's hard to show up as your best self when you're not filling up your own cup at all. And I think that's really what needed to change. Like I I knew I needed to start doing the things that make me feel more myself and more regulated again. And I got back into exercising and back into, I guess, educating myself a whole lot more on connected parenting and conscious parenting. And yeah, um, I think that, it, and that also helped my partner as well. Like I think we kind of went from like a very chaotic, that was a chaotic stage of our lives. Um, as I said, like he was going through his stuff. I was trying to look after everyone. And I think once we both got back to looking after ourselves again, um, we both, yeah, you know, came to this a much more calmer and conscious household and we're all able to kind of support each other now where before that we were probably all like triggering each other and reacting from each like you know you can react off each other's emotions where now it's like when one of us whether it's my 20 month old child or or my partner or me like whether if one of us are having a really hard time we all kind of come together to look after each other I can give you an example yesterday Yesterday I was having a really dysregulated day um, and I haven't had one for a really long time and I knew it was coming because my partner was working 11-hour days every day last week. I was doing everything for my two kids. I, I had no time to do the things that make me feel good and that can happen in having a, a young family. It happens all the time. But and I kept saying over the weekend, I'm not really feeling great. I feel like I'm becoming dysregulated. I really need to look after myself. And yesterday I knew it was coming and, and it came and I had a day where I felt like I, I spent the day feeling frustrated and irritated and angry at my children. But I kept saying to my kids, I'm sorry, I'm having a really hard day today. Today I'm not feeling myself. I need some support today. And they were amazing. Like my, my, youngest son um kept coming up and cuddling me and my daughter and when my partner came home he said what do you need um and together all afternoon all three of them just kept checking in on me and cuddling me and saying what do you need what can we do my daughter who is four was like mommy do you need to go to the gym today and that's I think that's comes from us being so emotionally attuned to their needs all the time that they then have learned how to show up when, you know, how to be emotionally attuned to other people. I think it's something that they've learned, yeah, through the way we we respond to them. Yeah. Do you often ask your children, what do you need? Yeah, definitely. Um, Yes. And I never, never try to um, stop their emotions. So if they're having a tantrum or if they're in in an emotion, I, I get down on their level always. I wait with them. I wait through the storm and, like, 
what I have learned to do. I think the biggest thing with my children is when they're going through their emotions, I never try to squash them or shame them or I never, I never want them to be alone in what they're feeling. So if they're going through something, I get down on their level. I sit on the floor and I wait with them. I wait and I sometimes I'll say things like deep breaths or I'll do my deep breathing. Like my son, yeah, he's 20 months and last week he was having a tantrum over wanting an icy pole at 7am in the morning and he's going through the thick of his tantrums right now. And I sat down on the floor while he screamed and cried and I communicated you know, it's not okay. Like we're not going to have an ice cream or an icy pole at 7am in the morning. This is not the right time. And I let him feel his feelings and, you know, I'd sit there and I breathe and I say, what do you need now? Or, you know, and I'm like, I'm here for a hug. Do you need a hug? And sometimes he might throw his body around and then he might come back and come into my arms and have a hug. And then he might start stomping his feet and say, I want an icy pole. And we just come back to breathing and the other day I, I was breathing through this and he stopped. <laughs> he started breathe. He started mimicking my breaths and he calmed down and like, that's the sort of thing, but it's not going to happen every time. Like the, like their brains aren't emotionally developed, but we, like my job as their parent is to teach them how to manage their emotions. Not like I want them to feel their emotions, but I'm just there to help them through the storm of it, help them come out the other side and make sure they feel supported and not ashamed of what they're feeling. Cause I think at the end of the day, like all feelings are meant to be felt. Us as adults have feelings. And I think that's a lot of us as adults. Like it's a lot of our issue is we're raised from a very young age, you know, squash your feelings, be alone with your feelings, go into your bedroom and, you know, feel what you're feeling on your own. But I've never done that with my children. Yeah. I think there was one time when my daughter was really early and my partner said, you know, Oh, go into your room if you're going to act like that. And I was like, I said straight away, her room is not a a, a bad place. And I, I want her room to be somewhere that she goes to when she feels happy and safe. And it's not a place to go to, to be alone and feel shame and, um, yeah, I, I want to teach my children how to how to feel their feelings, not how to suppress them. I guess because um, mm, yeah. when we suppress them, they they come out in unhealthy ways later on in life. Like you've discovered. Yes, yes, um, <laughs> yeah. and that's the thing. Yeah, I I feel like if I'm if I can be if I, I'm I'm teaching myself all the time how to be emotionally re- regulated, how to be emotionally mature, but I'm also doing it with my children. Like I'm teaching them alongside teaching myself and same as my partner, we're doing it together. Mm. We're, we're yeah. both putting in the hard work. Yeah. What would you say the goal of conscious parenting is? Definitely to build resilient children that are very much in touch with themselves and confident in who they are and how they feel and also how to have strong relationships throughout life. Like what sort of relationships to look for, what sort of bosses work environments to be in. I know like when I look back at my childhood, like that affected the way the relationships I chose in, you know, my teenage life and, and the work environments that I gave everything to and, you know, burnt myself out to try and please bosses that were never, you know, I don't know, going to nothing was ever enough. And just, yeah, I definitely had very un I was in very unhealthy relationships as a teenager and I, I don't want that for my children and I want them to know yeah what to look for and yeah just in friendships in relationships in in partnerships that they're going to choose yeah work environments everything and in the short period of time that you've been consciously doing conscious parenting yes <laughs> so what are the benefits you've noticed with your family uh, everything. Uh, like, as I said, we're, we're so much more connected and calmer as a family. My daughter having a very strong-willed, highly sensitive daughter, it, it was really hard at the beginning for me and my partner, especially when even for him, my partner, like, you know, he would, he still gets very triggered about like when she's acting in ways that we both were not allowed to act. And yeah, I think 
for my daughter, it's really changed her emotional well-being. Like I feel like when at the beginning when I was struggling with her tantrums and her behaviour, I, th- I feel like the more I kind of pushed back on that, the worse she got. So the more emotional she was, the more dysregulated she was. So now anytime she's feeling emotional or dysregulated, I lean into that. I don't, I don't try to stop it. I, the more I lean in and connect with her, the more, the, the sooner her emotions like pass, the sooner she's back to her more regulated self, the sooner we can all kind of move on and become calm again. So, and we do it for each other. So if there's an afternoon where both the kids are, cause you know, we're, we're in the thick of it. We've got a four-year-old and a, you know, an almost two-year-old. So we're very much in the thick of all their feelings and emotions. And if there's an afternoon where they're both, you know, if we're inside and we're trying to do jobs and they're both feeling a bit, bit dysregulated, we're like, okay, we're 10 minutes from the beach. Let's jump in the car. Let's go down the beach. And we all go and move our bodies together. We start playing Tiggy or, you know, Chasey or whatever it is on the beach. Um, we all just run around together and get our bodies moving and we release all of that dysregulatedness. And then as soon as we get in the car, like everyone is, everyone is so much calmer just from being out in nature, having fun, getting connected and, um, yeah. And we just always come back as a more connected family and every, like the kids are always like, coming back laughing and giggling and Lily's like, Oh my God, that was so much fun. Where, when we were going there, she maybe was really highly emotional and sensitive and yeah. Um, but there's, there's lots you can do like little things like, you know, even if you're inside and your kids dysregulated, like sometimes it's just changing the environment. Like for my son, cause he's so young, it might just be moving him out into the backyard and um, yeah, it's just little things or it's like, if the TV has maybe been on for a little bit too long and the kids are coming a bit dysregulated, I'll be like, let's start painting or let's read a book or let's change what we're doing to a more connected, you know, creative thing, whether it, whether it's reading or painting or coloring or something that brings us together and makes us all a bit more regulated. Um, yeah, it, it, it can be really anything moving your body, taking the kid, like just getting outside and taking them on their bike or their scooter or yeah. That's interesting. So you've just mentioned about four examples of conscious parenting and they've all gone back, like they've all been different examples, but they've all related back to being a bit more connected with your kids. You know, you're yeah. taking them outside into nature, getting them into the back garden and playing with them. You're doing a board game or something, you know, after you've had TV together. So it's really interesting. That's at the heart of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It always, for me, it always comes back to connection. And I always say, this is something I always say to myself is connection before correction. So what I mean by that is if they're, let's say if they're like displaying, because when they're young and they're highly emotional, sometimes like they're having like an out of body experience sometimes. And they can be like, you know, throwing their bodies around or maybe for my daughter might be throwing something. And I'll always say, okay, I need to connect with her first. And then I will, you know, I will correct that behavior. So first I'll come in with the connection, like, you know, getting her back to a more regulated state and then I can come into, okay, well, it's okay that you felt that way and I understand you felt that way, but we do not throw things, but it's not safe to do that. You know, even with like having a little sibling, like he might take a toy off her and she might get really angry and, you know, I'll talk to her about it, but it's always the connection first. So I'll come and be, come in and be like, okay, so you're playing this. This is what's happened. I understand you're feeling that way. Do that, like connect first, and then I'll come back to. But yeah, that behavior you can't you can't take. You know, you can't be rough with your brother like that. That's not okay. And it's easy to dive straight into focusing on the behavior. It's easy to be like, don't do that to your brother. Don't do that. But they're so dysregulated that majority of the time they're not listening or they can't take on board that feedback. So I feel like when we connect with them first, then we can correct. Okay. I understand you feel like that, but I'm sorry. We just can't 
we can't act in that way and it it works (laughs) yeah yeah amazing um I've got two questions to finish off with yeah I value your time so thank you so much so this sounds like I'm just going to be the devil's advocate here this all sounds well and good if you've got a mum who's or parent who's present has plenty of time to dedicate to the kids you know what happens or what suggestions do you have for the parents who might be busy working or have, I'm, I guess, just children out. or perhaps you're cooking dinner and unpacking the online shop and doing a million other tasks when something erupts? Like how do you suggest this or what do you suggest for busy parents that we all are? Definitely slowing down one, like 100% because what you just described, like I, I've a hundred percent been there many times in the past. And, um, I think for me just acknowledging, I, I really needed to slow down. I think like personally for me, I was finding myself when I was being conscious about when am I feeling the most dysregulated. And for me, it was when I was trying to do a hundred things and rush out the door and, you know, taking, you know, you've got kids' birthday parties, you've got meals to make, shopping to do, cleaning to do. Yeah, I think learning to slow down in a fast-paced society that, like, glorifies being busy and doing it all, like, do like doing the polar opposite to that. So for me, like, for, for our family, like, we were, you know, every – you know, we've had a busy week and then every Saturday morning we were trying to get my daughter to dancing and it became something that she didn't enjoy because we're all like rushing out the door and every week we were like, you know, she was pushing back. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And every week we're like, well, why don't you want to go? And she couldn't really come up with an answer. And there was one Saturday morning she finally said to me, um, I don't want to go mom because I just want to play. I just want to be at home and I just want to play and I want to see dad. And I realized she really hasn't seen her dad all week and it's Saturday morning and she knows he's home and I'm trying to get her to go to dancing because I think that that's what's good for her. And I think that that's what she wants to do. And then in that moment, I realized she's, she's four. She, she, she wants to be at home and play with her dad and she doesn't do what I, she doesn't want to do what I think is good with her. So we, we made the family decision, like this isn't the right time for her to do dancing. And at the moment she's not doing any extra curriculum activities and she's four year old, four years old, which I feel like a lot of kids are doing activities of that age, but for her and for us, we realized she needs to slow down. She wants to be at home. She wants to connect with her family and that's what we need to do. And I do it all the time. Like I, I used to be like, I, I need to take the kids to meet this friend. I need to get to the gym. I need to do the groceries. I need to do this. And I really stopped doing all that. Like now I only exercise to help me regulate myself. I'm not exercising to try and you know, try and do it every day or something. I'm doing when it fits in, when I need it for my mental health. Um, the same as meeting friends. Like I really pulled back on, on all the little things that I guess you think you need to do. But in, in the long term, I just realized it was creating a massive disconnection in our whole family. Um, the same as my, he, my partner, he realized it too. Yeah. We, we know as a family unit for us going camping, there's no distractions in our family. Like there's no, there's nothing that is keeping us from being like connected with each other. And my daughter loves camping because we're together the whole time. We're all focused on each other. We're all outside in nature, having fun together. She draws pictures of us going camping and asks to go camping all the time because that's when she feels the most connected. And I think we can learn a lot from our children wanting us to slow down. And like as adults, we, yeah, we, we've just become a society that we think we have to do everything and, and fill up everyone else's cups. But when we slow down, that's when we can become more conscious and connected and, and we have to do it as a family unit. Like me and my partner really work together. So yeah, just in dividing up tasks and, you know, it's not, I'm not just the parent. We're both the parent. We're parenting together as a team. And I think coming together together, 
as a family, it, it really takes two parents to be a team and work together and find ways together that mm. allow you to slow down. <laughs> so you've just totally taken the, my last question out of my mouth. <laughs> you mentioned that your partner works long hours. Um, you Not also all the mentioned time, that but you, yes. Uh, okay, and you've also mentioned that you've you know listened to a lot of podcasts and done a lot of learning on this. How or what tips do you have? in getting your partner on board? Like I know personally my partner would be totally on board with this, but how do I go about, I guess, teaching him when, you know, he's busy with work and all, all the rest? What are your tips? <laughs> yeah, um, I found that really hard at the beginning. For the first few years it was just me, um, conscious and connected parenting. And, yeah, I, I struggled with that. And then I think, because wh- what I was doing, I realized what I was doing is I was learning it all and then I was trying to communicate it to him. And then I got to a place where I realized he thought I was telling him how to parent, where that's not what I was doing. I, I wanted to come together as parents and, and be on the same, I guess, yeah, be on the same team. So what I did instead of you know, telling him what I learned, I would send him the podcast and I would say, um, on your way to work, cause sometimes he has really long drives and, um, sometimes, you know, he was just listening to music and I said, you know, I want to be on the same team. Can you please listen to this podcast? I think it would really help us parent, parent the same way. And I got him to <laughs> start reading the same books that I was reading. So I would read the book first and I would be like, this chapter is really important for you to read so that we can be on the same team. And that like, so it's not, so that way it's not coming from me. It's just me passing on the information for him to learn it himself. Um, and he is, he's really busy. He runs his own business. Um, he, he, you know, we're, when you're in the thick of having a young family, there's not a lot of spare time. So we, I think we've both realized like we want a certain outcome for our children and, and we want to have that long-term connection with our children. So for both of us, it is very important to learn right now, not down the track when like we want to learn now so that we can keep that connection strong and keep the relationship strong because at the end of the day, it's a long-term relationship and we want to have a really good long-term relationship with both our kids. So yeah, for him, he realized as well, it is important and I do have to learn. And he realized he was wasting so much time. I think when he kept saying, he kept pushing back at the beginning and saying, I have no time. You have all this time. And I'm like, but I don't, I I'm listening to podcasts when I'm going to the supermarket. I might listen to one for 10 minutes on the way to the supermarket and it might take me three days to get through one 40 minute podcast, but I'm still, I'm choosing my time wisely. And I think he realized like when he was scrolling at just Hmm. kind of rubbish on his phone, I was using that time to, to find information on how to be a better parent, how to, um, what tools I need, um, how to help my children, um, developmentally. And, I think he realized, oh, well, she's finding time. So I need to find time too, because she is busy as well. She is looking after the children and, um, yeah, I, he, mm. he does have time. He has lunch yeah. breaks. He has time alone yeah. in the car and yeah. yeah, he has time when the kids are in bed as well. So yeah, yeah you've got to make the time. <laughs> Absolutely. So number one podcast recommendation for connected uh, conscious parenting. Oh, um, there's so many at the moment. There's one that I'm really loving. It's, uh, it's called the mate, essence. I think it's called, I might, uh, I might have to get it back to you on that one. What, what can we go over some books? Yep. Book recommendations. Books. Yes, absolutely. Um, my favorite book is the whole brainchild by Daniel Siegel. Um, I think that's another big thing is like learning about a child's developing brain. Um, I think that was a really big thing for Brad, like my partner as well, because um, I think we, we don't realize 
that a lot of what a child's emotions and feelings and behaviors are, it all comes down to brain development. And, Mm. um, yeah, a lot of the time, like a a child, especially between like zero to three, they don't have the logic part of their brain developed yet. And I think once we understand that we can come to our children with more empathy and, like validate how they're feeling more because then we actually know with that, with understanding their brain, we actually know they're not trying to give us a hard time. They're having a hard time mm-hmm. and we need to be able to support them through that hard time. Um, yeah. yeah. So I would say the whole brain child, um, that's my number one. Brilliant. Um, Amazing. but yeah, um, I don't know. There's so Bro- many podcasts. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I don't have particular ones. <laughs> No, yeah. it's like, I know we could keep talking. Yeah. I feel like we've just um, touched the surface of all this. But I yeah. want to thank you so much for, you know, sharing your story, putting yourself out there. Um, oh, I really do pleasure. think some parents will benefit from listening to this podcast episode. So thank yeah, you, Rob. I hope so. <laughs> how, how can everyone come and find you if they want to connect? Um, through Instagram. Yeah, I, uh, I'm more... I share a lot on Instagram, so you can come and find me at Rock Solway, R-O-X-S-O-L-W-A-Y. Um, yeah, and I like to share a lot on, um, yeah, gentle parent, oh, sorry, connected parenting and conscious parenting yeah. and, um, yeah, just trying to inspire others to, yeah, find that connection Amazing. with your children. <laughs> Thank you, Rox. Thanks Thank so much. Thank you so much for having chat. me, Kath. I really appreciate it. <laughs> We'll chat to you soon. Thank you. All right. Bye. And before I sign off, remember my team and I will be putting together the show notes for this episode with all the links, including how to connect with rocks at fitnessmama.com forward slash podcast. That's it, ladies. Have a fabulous day. And I look forward to you joining me very soon for another episode of the Pregnancy, Birth and Recovery podcast. Thanks for listening to the Fitness Mama podcast brought to you by the Fitness Mama freebies found at www.fitnessmama.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave a review, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media and tag me at Fitness Mama so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember, an active pregnancy, confident childbirth and strong postnatal recovery is something that you deserve. Remember our disclaimer, materials and contents in this podcast are intended as general information only and shouldn't substitute any medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. I'll see you soon.